Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! I'll start today with the baseball, where 60%, believe it or not, of teams that are in first place on July 4th end up winning a division historically 60 percent so if you do it this year we have obviously six divisions correct uh three in each league so you got the six divisions that means essentially about four of the six i know that's 66 percent but 61 percent so let's just say narrowed off four out of the six are going to win the division now we know two of them that will and that is the yankees and the astros i'll say three the dodgers who have opened up a little ground now in the nls beat san diego three out of four over the weekend they really should have won all four. Kimbrell blew it in the ninth on Sunday with a four-run Padre rally, which is important for San Diego, down one nothing at the time. But, I mean, those three are going to win the division. The other three divisions, and I like the Mets despite the fact that Atlanta has knocked out a lot of those games. They were 23-27 and 27 and in oblivion, and they have got themselves back into at least a discussion of making a run. They're 46-34. The Mets are 50-30. and 30. So they have four back of New York. You can make a case if you wish. I won't right now. I still think with Scherzer and DeGrom, the Mets will be okay. But three of the six teams that I just mentioned will be in the postseason. The Yankees have about a 30-game. I mean, Houston right now. You know, Houston's got 27 losses, and Seattle in second place has 42. You know, everybody's talked about the Yankees in the American League East. Think about that for a second. I mean, in the Yankees scenario, it's more impressive. A, they got a better record than Houston, number one. And number two, the division's much better. So the other teams in that division are all over 500. And even Baltimore is not terrible. I mean, Seattle's, uh, Tampa's six over. Uh, the Red Sox are 10 over. And Toronto is eight over. So at least the second, third, and fourth place teams in the AL East are over 500. So the Yankee lead is actually more impressive than the Houston lead because the Houston lead, everybody in that division. And by the way, how's Mike Trout doing? 0 for 11 with nine strikeouts over the weekend down in Anna, down in Houston where he was just terrible. You heard it. I mean, and then of course, earlier in the year, it was strikeout city when they lost 14 in a row. But if you think about it from a, from a standpoint of division, Houston is 13. They have 27 losses and Seattle's 40 and 42. They have 15. So I theoretically, Houston is further ahead and a worse division in their division than the uh, Yankees are in theirs. So those two are in good shape. Dodgers, you know, have 29 losses, and I think San Diego might have 35 with a 47 and 35 thereabouts. So they should be in pretty good shape too. So those three are home free. It is, And the Mets, you know, might have to go down to the wire with Atlanta. They have not played in Atlanta yet this year. They will play a lot of games against the Braves in July and August, and they do finish the year uh, at Chuess Field. So I understand that, but we're still a ways away from getting too concerned about the Mets when they haven't had their two pitchers. Scherzer tonight returns DeGrom down the road, and we shall see. The Centrals are interesting because Milwaukee and St. Louis only separated by a couple of games. And, of course, Minnesota, Cleveland, and the White Sox are only separated by a couple of games. Matter of fact, Cleveland has less losses than the Guardians do, but they have uh, than the Twins do, but they played five less games. So when you think about it, those are the divisions from a statistical standpoint based on odds and the stat I gave you a minute or two ago about the 61% of the teams who are in first place on July 4th end up 
um, uh, end up, uh, you know, winning a division or making the postseason. You know, three wills, so you need one more. So do you feel a little better about the Mets? you feel a little better about Milwaukee? Or do you little, feel a little better about Minnesota? I feel better about the Mets than the other two. I think Milwaukee, St. Louis goes right down to the wire. And then the loser is going to be involved with the Phillies and the Giants for another spot. Remember, Braves, Mets, Padres, L.A., and then the NL Central winner. That still leaves you one spot available between those other three, te- other two teams. Giants have struggled. Phillies have obviously, you know, played a lot better and very good under Rob Thompson. Uh, but, you know, they're four over 500. And here come the Nats, who are awful, so they might even up that. So you might have the three for one in the NL after you decide who the NL Central Divisional winner is. And in the American League, you know, it might come down to a Tampa battle with the, or a, you know, let's say Tampa at the moment. They had a pretty good weekend in Toronto, but let's say Tampa. They might have the battle with the White Sox or the Guardians for the last spot because right now four teams make it in the American League East. And then, of course, the divisional winners with Houston. And, of course, that division's not going to get a second-place team in the postseason. And, if, and the other one is Minnesota. So uh, you could do the baseball. July 4th is a very interesting date. And, by the way, July 4th is also the anniversary. There's two anniversaries today in baseball that I should mention. All right? One of them is the 75th anniversary was today of Larry, Bo- Larry Doby Sr., who broke in with the Indians uh, in 1947. Doby broke in about three months after Jackie Robinson broke in with the Dodgers. Now, Doby only had about 26, 30 at-bats in his first year in 47. The following year, he played great, had a good World Series, and Cleveland won the championship. They beat the Boston Braves. But in 47, Doby came up in July, and the world didn't change too much between April 15th, Jackie's debut uh, with Brooklyn, and then, of course, July 5th, Doby's debut with Bill Vex Indians. The world didn't change too much. Jackie was the first, but Doby be the first in the American League. Today is the anniversary of that. And yesterday was the anniversary, if you did not realize, of the famous Lou Gehrig speech at Yankee Stadium on July 4th, 1939, when Lou essentially announced his retirement. He had announced his retirement. Uh, you know, he, he got his diagnosis from the Mayo Clinic on June 16th about ALS. So he took himself out of the lineup in April and he immediately retired from the Yankees uh, after he only had four hits in 26 games or 26 at bats, something along those lines. And he told McCarthy to take him out of the lineup when he was a member of the Yankees and they were playing in Detroit. That was April of, uh, I, I don't know the exact date, but it was late April. And you can't tell you taking Garrick out of the lineup. You can't do that if you're McCarthy. You got to let Lou tell you when he does when he can't play anymore. And he finally Lou did. I mean, McCarthy didn't like what he saw. Bad in spring training, not great in 38 by his standards. Off couldn't, you know, couldn't had no had nothing going on in spring training. Nobody could quite figure it out. And then, of course, we did find out in June what ailed Lou. And then on his speech, which was July 4th, which was uh, 1939, the 27 Yankees all came to the ballpark, Yankee Stadium, 61,000 in between games of a doubleheader against Washington. The Yankees that year were 106 and 4. 
45. They had a great year. That was the four in a row, DiMaggio in the prime of his career, the whole nine yards. Uh, but Garrick did the speech in which the Yankees uh, in, at the uh, in-between games of a doubleheader, and they had to sort of guide Lou to the microphone because Lou didn't want to talk. He had jotted down a few notes uh, in New Rochelle that morning. He goes to the ballpark. LaGuardia, the mayor of New York, is there, uh, and so are his, uh, you know, his in-laws and his parents, of course, and he does the speech, which, by the way, is not fully captured. You can't find that speech in its entirety anywhere. It's clipped. It's not. It's only snippets when you hear that speech, the famous I'm the luckiest man in the face of the earth speech. That is a snippet speech. That is not the full speech. But Lou there, and he had a New York accent, which a lot of people didn't know at the time. Who heard Lou Gehrig talk in 1939? I mean, he did a couple of movies. I get it. And, you know, but radio was in its infancy and everything else. It wasn't like you had Howie Carpenter running to the Yankee uh, locker room uh, after games to get sound bites for the local sportscasts. You know, Steve Torrey was not hanging out down the right field foul pole, uh, you know, getting cuts for his, uh, you know, I'm Steve Torrey, wins 10, 10-10 uh, win sports. That wasn't, that wasn't happening in 1939. So very few people knew Lou's voice. Lou's speech that day, Yankee Stadium, with the big accent, the wonderful, heartfelt speech. Uh, the 27 Yankee team, I'm not sure how many, but a lot of them were at the stadium that day. Ruth with the big white lapel jacket gave him a, a sports coat, really gave him a huge hug. I remember they hadn't talked in a long time because of the issues with Lou and uh, Ruth on that uh, caravan in the mid 30s going to on a boat uh, going to Tokyo and a lot of people thought that maybe uh, Garrick uh, Ruth and uh, Garrick's wife uh, were uh, you know doing something they shouldn't have been doing uh, whether that's true or not who knows I think Lou thought it was a possibility so they didn't talk for a long time they sort of broke the ice when get when Ruth came back in 39 for the Garrick speech he got a lot of nice trophies and everything else but the Yankees did not give Garrick a job he had to get a job with LaGuardia, the mayor of New York in the, in the, in the uh, census department in New York at Ellis Island. He did not have a—the Yankees didn't even give him a job. And the guy gave his life to the Yankees. I know it's a different time. That wouldn't happen today. He'd be a Yankee for life. They would take care of him. They did not do that in 1939, and he played 15 consecutive years. He never missed a game. And, you know, he's Lou Gehrig. He's one of the great players in the history of the sport. He's, he is—from hitting, he's on Mount Rushmore. From hitting. When you talk about the Mount Rushmore of offensive players in the history of the sport, it's Ruth, it's Ty Cobb, it's Gehrig. And, you know, maybe you put Henry Aaron in there because he broke Ruth's record. I don't know who that fourth one would be. No, it would be Ted Williams. It would be Ted Williams. Those are the four greatest hitters of all time. I even debate. The four greatest hitters, hitters, that you would put on Mount Rushmore are those four. And the Garrick uh, Ruth photograph is an iconic photograph that Eddie just punched up behind me with Garrick frail, smile on his face, and of course Ruth. Uh, but Garrick is, there's not even an issue. He is the top four offensive player. Don't even argue it. Don't, don't go anywhere. Those are the four guys. Those four. Um, Garrick, Williams, uh, Ruth, and Cobb. It's not debatable. Uh, I know you're going to give up. Prior to 1947, you're going to give me all that. There's nobody better than those four. Uh, and, of course, Garrick, if you look at his World Series numbers, they're mind-boggling. Uh, you know, matter of fact, Eddie, why don't you, I don't have the book in front of me, why don't you punch up the Lou Garrick World Series numbers? He played in a lot of them, so that helped. But his World Series numbers are through the roof. Anyway, uh, yesterday was the anniversary of that. Now, remember, they did the movie uh, Samuel Goldwyn knew nothing about 
Garrick. He wouldn't know Garrick if he fell on him. He, of course, Goldwyn out there in, um, uh, out there in uh, Hollywood. He wouldn't know in the best years of our lives in 46. I mean, he's a wonderful producer. Tough guy to deal with, but a wonderful producer. Um, and, you know, he saw the speech, you know, on a, one of those, you know, newsreels or whatever. And he decided to make a movie about the speech. And obviously Cooper, Gary Cooper was the, you know, the leading actor in Hollywood, silent man. And he was perfect for the Garrick role. Unsung, uh, not unsung is the wrong word. Just, uh, you know, quiet admiration, not not a self-promoter, the whole bit. So Cooper played uh, Garrick. And of course, the year after he won the Oscar for Sergeant York, he couldn't hit left-handed. He batted right-handed. So they had to reverse the film because he, you know, he had to run the third base when he hit the ball. Uh, he did it that way. So they reversed the film to make him look like a left-hand hitter. So they had to go run the bases in the opposite way. And Cooper could not hit. He was a bad athlete. They did everything they could to make him look realistic, but he wasn't very good. Anyway, to make a long story short, that movie came out. Teresa Wright uh, played Lou's wife, and she stole the show. She was great in the movie. Uh, and that was uh, two years later. Uh, I don't think... I think Garrick had passed away. Garrick died two years later. I think he had passed away by the time the movie came out. But the month numbers for Garrick, Eddie, why don't you just read them off in the postseason? I can't see it with your little machine. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Post them off. Uh, what do you see? So just your average here, 348. 348 in the world. How many games? Uh, we had seven games. No, Eddie. World Series, he played more than seven games. No, no. Okay, I'm sorry. You want, I'm just giving you year by year. No, no. Career. I, I, I want his career World 34 Series. games. Yep. Go ahead. 361. Yep. 10 home runs, 35 runs batted in. In 34 games. Yep. And 483 on base percentage. How about that? How many RBIs? 35. How many runs scored? 30. So this is a man in 34 World Series games had a combined 65 runs scored in RBIs with 10 homers with a 361 batting average. The only guy who possibly you can argue with from a World Series perspective is Lou Brock. That's it. And Brock was a wonderful World Series hitter. He played in three of them, 64, 67, and 68. Garrick played in a lot more than four. Garrick played in a million World Series. You know, he played in the 26, the 27, the 28, 33. I mean, Garrick played, and the Yankees won most of them. I mean, he played in a million World Series. Uh, I think he only, you know, he only may have played in four. Because he wasn't there in the early 20s. 25, he, they didn't make the World Series. 29, 30, and 31, the A's did. 32, the Cardinals won. He may have just played in... How many World Series did he play in, Eddie? Was it five? For Brock? No, for uh, Garrick. 26, 27, 28, and 33? No, then he played in the others. 36, 37, 38. Right, he played in nine. Played in seven. Seven. Because he played three for, four for Ruth, three for the DiMaggio. Anyway, that's the uh, anniversary of the uh, July 4th speech for Garrick and, of course, Larry Doby. Your boy got off the beaten path, did I not? Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82.